You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jujitsu. I am your host, Lamar Smith, and today's guest is a third-degree black belt who owns Connors Martial Arts Academy, located in Norwood, Massachusetts. Ladies and gentlemen, John Connors. Hi, Lamar. Hello, sir. How are you? Very good, thanks. Thank you for having me on your show. Man, the pleasure is all mine. The pleasure is all mine. But um, yeah, first and foremost, man, I would like to, you know, six, you know, pre- show my appreciation by thanking you for being a guest on today. Appreciate it very, very much. My right, man, without, yeah, no problem. Without further ado, man, if you want to formally introduce yourself again, by all means, and let's hear about your jujitsu journey. Sure. Um, I started my training in January of 1999. So I started essentially right before my 36th birthday. Okay. And uh, here in, in the Boston area. So, you know, I had watched the UFC and so forth. And uh, I was a business person. I owned a business at the time. I was a parent of two young kids. So I was living that kind of pedestrian life, you know, being a mm-hmm. husband and father and going to work. And I, you know, I would work out. I would do a little bench pressing, a little jogging, all that type of stuff that was getting insanely boring to me. And I just found myself at a point in my life where I could do something for myself, so to speak. And I had always wanted to train in the martial arts. You know, I was an athlete as a younger person. And I did a little bit of training when I was 14 for about six months in a karate program here in Boston that was actually pretty advanced for a time. I think it was pretty hardcore. We did a lot of hard sparring. So it was really cool place but i just didn't have room for it in my life at that time and Mm -hmm. then finally at age 36 i had some time and i opened up the yellow pages so for you younger people the yellow pages is this big big book that had all businesses in it before google and everything and i opened it up i went to the martial arts pages and i had known about brazilian jiu-jitsu because of the ufc of course because of hoist gracie and all his great success and i thought man that seems like the most exciting martial art that I could take. And I found a place called Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that was in Watertown, Mass at the time. And I called over there, made an appointment, went over there as soon as I could and stepped on the mat. And I felt like I had come home immediately. So it was one of those things that was, it was just for me right off the bat. I just loved it. Man, that's awesome. So what was it about it for you that, that drew you to Jiu-Jitsu? Well, you know, I think what happened for me was I had been living that kind of boring life. You know, I had a button-down shirt and tie and khakis and a little bit of a poochy belly. And I just felt like I, I wasn't myself anymore. You know what I mean? I, and, and people were looking at me like I was just this boring middle-aged guy. And, and I'm thinking, you know, there's really, in the best way, in the best sense, there's a savage inside here. I just got to get back in touch with it. And you mm-hmm. uh, helped me do that, you know, where I could do something that was hard, you know, something that was physical, challenging. And I could work with a lot of other people who were excited about what they were doing and willing to work hard and, and you know, suffer a little bit in the best way, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, so so it, it was just the thing for me. I, I just loved it. And back then it was little it was under the radar it wasn't quite as popular obviously it is today so Mm -hmm. that everybody that was involved in it you know they were really what i would call amateurs in the truest sense of the word amateur so when you look at the etymology of the word amateur it means somebody who loves what they're doing you know what i mean so everybody just loved what they were doing Mm -hmm. you know we would drive i think i drove like 40 minutes to my training which was no problem for me i it was just great. And I, and I just try to train as often as I could. And, uh, I just, I just loved everything about it. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way, man. Like when I first stepped on the mats, it was like, it was a, it was a rush of something new, you know? And it was just like, I think this is what I need. And, you know, just been sticking with it. Like, you know, ever since, you know, that's it, man. That's the thing that just keeps staying with it. And, um, so now I'm 60 years old, 
and I'm, I just trained this morning and, um, I just love it. It's, it's, you know, it's such a big part of my life. You know, I work with my son full time. So it's our, our vocation, so to speak. And it's our hobby. It's our sport. And, uh, it's where we are surrounded by our friends and, and people that we respect and admire. So for mm -hmm. me, so for me, it hits everything, you know, it hits family, friends, business, everything all in one. It's like a big, um, overlap for me. And it's just great. Right. So when did you, so when did you open up your, uh, your, your school? So I opened up my academy in 2005, July of 2005. Oh, okay. Wow. So you've been doing this for, for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So we just passed 18 years. Wow. And, um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's great. And then for me, I had a rejuvenation of sorts. So my son was in college and he was studying in a five-year engineering program. I think it was like after the fourth year. He came to me and he said, you know what? I just do not like any of this and I'm dropping out of school, which was hard for him to do because he's a responsible person. But mm -hmm. I was totally behind him with that. I'm like, well, if you don't like doing it, it doesn't make any sense to study it for another year, then commit your life to it. I mean, that, that's right. not helping. So he left that program and then, you know, he had worked some lousy jobs and you know, and he was trying to find his own way. And, and I went to him and I said, hey, what are they paying you at this lousy job? How, would you be interested if I paid you the same amount if you came and worked with me? And he said, yeah, I think I'll do that. And then he came in probably at age 21 or something. And he was maybe 22, but he was basically a white belt. You know, he had trained a little bit as a kid, but not very seriously. So he came in then as a white belt. And he really devoted himself to jujitsu with like a monk-like consistency. And now he's at a super high level and he, you know, he teaches our classes with me and he's really good at jujitsu and he's one of my training partners and I'm learning from him at this point and we're learning from each other. So mm -hmm. it's just a great, it's just a great experience for us. Yeah, I bet, man. I, I bet, especially when you get to train with, you know, your your child. It's like, you know, it's like you get to start over, so to speak, you know, doing That's this. It. That's a good point, Lamar. And, and the other thing, which I don't know if you'll experience this when you get older, but when you get in your mid-50s and so forth, it's just natural that life starts to decline for you a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm, saying, I'm not saying it has to, but it's just natural where you know, your testosterone comes down, your, you know, all of those hormones start to ebb away from you and you just naturally lose your drive and you naturally lose your competitiveness and so forth. And for me, my son coming in when he did was the perfect timing because it reinvigorated everything. And yeah. I have so much respect for him that I want, it gives me drive and then I want to keep performing and I want to keep improving myself and developing my skill and it's very motivational for from for me to have him there i suspect if he wasn't part of our academy it would be easy for me to start to lay back and spar less and you know still be an active coach but maybe my personal skill development would stop and so forth just in a natural way and i, and I would take more of a step backwards you know but yeah, luckily get, that's start not getting happening. comfortable yeah, you get comfortable. Of course, it's not easy. You know, you got to put mm -hmm. a lot of work in for jujitsu and, you know, and then when you get older, if you want to be at a healthy weight, you know, there's no getting around the eating. You have to eat in the right way. I don't eat perfectly by any means, but I probably <laughs> eat in a more healthy way than I would otherwise. You know, I don't right. want to. Yeah, I want to represent myself as best as I can to my students, you know, even physically. I, I, I want to look good for them so they can have can respect that and, and, you know, be a somewhat of a role model if I can for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I, I, I love that, that mentality. Cause I think that way too, especially being um, in a position of, a, of an instructor, you know, you want to have a certain air about yourself, you know, you want to, I guess, practice what you preach. You don't want to be like, 
yeah, I, I teach martial arts or I teach this and you can barely, you know, walk up a flight of steps, you know, without <laughs> without being yeah. winded. So, yeah, because I can, I can tell, you know, from like, you know, you don't look like the average 60 year old guy. Like I would, Thank you know, you. Yeah. You, you look, you know, you look healthy, look in shape. And even at, you know, even in my, you know, I'm 36 and just seeing people my age look twice as older than I do. Mm. Mm. And it's just like, man, what happened? Like, <laughs> I always ask, like, you know, what happened? You know, you know, obviously life happens and people just, you know, go their direction they go. But, you know, I to me personally, I, I can't see myself not being active. I hear you. You know? you know, when I started, I was your age. I was 36. And the funny mm -hmm. thing was, is at that time, that was 1999. People considered 36 as old, you know. Yeah, like guys like Tom Brady hadn't come on the scene, you know, doing amazing things and at 40 or early 40. So people thought when you were 36, you're pretty much done. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't think people feel that way now. Thank God, you know, people feel like they can keep going, you know, and uh, I know you can if you know, you just have to do it in the right way. Be intelligent about how you train, take care of mm -hmm. yourself and all those things. But I, I feel personally that I've my jujitsu has gotten better in the last four years. So, and, and the way I know that is I can do things now that I could not do five, six years ago. And I understand wow. jujitsu better than I did five or six years ago. So, you know, it's possible that, you know, this isn't at some point it's not going to keep going this way, but I feel at age 60 right now, I'm the best jujitsu version of myself. And I started at 36, but, you know, at some point, it's you know the wheels are going to come off, and it's not <laughs> but um, but I know you can keep going if you do it the right way until sixty and, and keep improving at least your technical skill. And I think my performance is is probably the best it's ever been, just because I understand what I'm doing so much more than I used to. Yeah, and this is just a prime example of uh, you know like the the people who I, you know, I try to talk to like the non jujitsu people and they, they, you know, will have conversations and they'll ask me like, Oh, you know, what rank are you? And it's like, you know, I'm a Brown belt. And they was like, Oh, so, you know, what's next? I'm like, Oh, well, black. Oh, so, you know, when you get, so you're done then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, like, you know, this is just prime example with, you know, what you were just saying, how even, you know, being a third degree black belt, you've been training for a very long time. You're still teaching, you're still learning, you're still growing. Yeah in this, yeah. you know, in this sport. And I tell people like, you know, like once you start jujitsu, what, like once you get your black belt, yeah, that means you got a vast understanding of the martial art, but training doesn't stop. Correct. Yeah. Like, and you know, jujitsu is so, so vast. It goes so wide yeah. and so deep that, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can spend many, many decades studying it and still make improvements. And, you know, when I watched, like an instructional from a guy like, you know, John Danaher, it's almost overwhelming how much information this guy has accumulated and codified and just arranged. It's just, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm like, how did he figure all this out and organize it the way he has? It's just really impressive because it seems like he's still making improvements and distinctions on what he's doing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I see that in general, like when you watch, ADCC, if you compare like the most recent event with maybe from 2017, so like, you know, six or seven years ago, I think all the athletes are much more skilled today than they were even then. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's the nature of the sport. It just keeps evolving and who knows where it's going to go in the future, but there's always room for improvement, always room for you to develop more skill, get more insight into what you're doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I talk about this a lot on my show and um, our, you know, our our master, Joe Moera, um, you know, he's been training for God knows how long since he was, you know, since he was young. <laughs> and he's still, you know, we, you know, I'll, you know, keep in contact with him on social media. He's still training. He's still, That's you know, amazing. in the gym hard. And it's just like, Man, he like is and he shows no signs of slowing down. No That's awesome. signs. You know something? So way back when I started in 1999, there were really no instructional videos that you could purchase. They just they didn't exist. You know, there right. was a myth 
there was like this whisper of Henzo Gracie and his business partner. They put together some instructionals, but you really couldn't buy them anywhere. So it was just so hard to find anything. So I used to buy all kinds of books. And there was a couple of jujitsu books and I would buy judo books and I would buy wrestling books. And I was just hungry for any information to help me improve what I was doing. But there was one guy and his name escapes me right now, but he was a Joe Marrera student and his name was like Michael something. And he made, and he, I think he was like a purple belt under Joe Marrera. So like in 2000, he put out these, uh, what, do you, what do you call VHS tapes of instructionals. And I used to buy them and they were really good. And then he had Joe Marrera on there teaching as well. And Joe's English was like not terrific at the time. And, you know, it's just not as, it's not his native language, but this guy would sort of interpret for him. And um, Joe was amazing. So he had one video that I loved, which was all these collar chokes. So yeah. he could collar choke you from any position, any angle. It was so awesome. And uh, I got so much out of those instructionals. And, you know, so I've been a Joe Marrera fan ever since then. So for the last 23 years, you know, and I use a lot of those chokes in the academy, mm. too. It was pretty cool. So I'm glad to yeah. hear that he's still still doing his thing. That that's great yeah. to hear. Yeah, man, he's like he's like an uncle, you know, because <laughs> you know that's my instructor's um, uh, master. So like I said, we talk on face, you know, on social media every so often, or you know, like he'll post a video of him training or part of a mm. seminar he did somewhere, and it's just like you know, he he has his system that we follow, and it's once again it's always evolving. I talk to so many people in our lineage, his, you know, his black belts. And they're like, yeah, man, you know, Joe added this. And I'm like, wait, when? <laughs> or like, you know, he, you know, he changed this to this. And we like, wait, what? Like, we're so, no matter how, you know, how much we try to catch up, he's still boom, 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 boom. And that's, that's the amazing. type of, you know, things I love to see. Like, you know, like even at that age, you're he, he's still evolving, still, you know, keeping his game fresh and, evolving with you know what he can do currently versus when he was younger you know he makes it works for him. i can believe i can believe it because i could see that he had a real love of the of the game so to speak a real love mm -hmm. of jujitsu and the guys that have that that's so powerful because it creates this enthusiasm that just pushes you forward it's amazing mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's and I, I and that's how i love about our system love about you know just jujitsu in general man it just one of those things where you you can evolve as much as you want, basically. Like mm. if you want to be stagnant, you can be stagnant. If you right. want to push mm. and be the next, you know, Nicky Rod or Gaval mm. or you know, Gar you know, whoever, you can do that. Yeah, you have those. You know, you have those options. So I wanted to ask you, you know, with you, you know, you know, being in the game as long as you have. Um, like you know how you were saying like you know there wasn't like a lot of resources when it came to like uh yeah. jujitsu so like how has that been for you seeing that like you know growing up you're seeing you, know, you have to rent dvds or whatever from somewhere and all of a sudden now is one click of a button you got 50 people teaching like 100 techniques i think it's really accelerated the the learning curve for people so I feel like in the last four years with all the really high quality instructionals that have come out, that people are just getting better at jujitsu at a faster pace. So mm -hmm. the white belts in my academy are much better than I was as a white belt. And, uh, yeah. and the blue belts, everybody is at a higher level. So if you go out to, you know, my son and I, we go and compete at all the large IBJJF tournaments. And if you go to the worlds and watch the blue belts, some of those guys that are such a high level, it's really impressive. And I don't think it was always that way. I think it's changed. I think in the last four years or so, and I would attribute the change not to, you know, we have an expanding group of athletes that are participating in the sport and we have guys coming over from wrestling. So you got guys who are, you know, if you wrestle at a division one level, you're a really high level grappler to begin with. You know, you're yeah. just operating at different rules. So um, that is a big advantage. But I think the instructional. So you you can have guys that start from a complete zero, no wrestling or anything, 
And because of that information, and if they apply themselves, uh, they can progress very, very quickly. You know, so my son, yeah. I think is my son is trained. I'm trying to think how many years he's been consistently training now. I'm going to guess and say like over seven years. And okay. I, I would say he's technically ahead of me. So, and I've been training, this is my 25th year. So right. what I mean by technically ahead of me is he understands more technique. He can apply more technique. Um, he just has more, uh, he has grasp of more information than I do. You know, I'm effective at what I do and I'm good. You know, I know a lot of stuff too, but he's just a little, a little bit wider and a little bit deeper than me. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's all because of the, those instructionals. You know, he studies these instructionals probably an hour a day, every day. And then we train twice a day. So, you know, he's just making pretty fast progress, but I think if you compete at all, you really have to make that type of progress because if you're not, you're just going to fall behind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Competition, you know, is a, you know, we always talk about this as a, it's a whole different beast when it comes to, when it comes to jujitsu, because it's yeah. like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a whole nother level because you, you know, you train as you train, you can only train as hard as you can with the people that you have, obviously. Right. You know, and then you go out there and you going against someone that you never met it's a whole level of, you know, it's a different level of intensity. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, and I try I, to tell Lamar, I try to tell my students, like how many people in the general population will train in a combat sport or martial art where they have live training like judo or jujitsu or Muay Thai kickboxing or boxing or wrestling, like something like that. That's a serious sport of jujitsu. Um, or mm -hmm. of a martial art, and it's a small percentage of the general population that will just even step on the mat. You know what I mean? So you right. that's like probably one percent of the population will just do that. So then, mm -hmm. of that one percent, you know, how many are actually competing on a regular basis? I don't. I, I bet it's only ten percent of all of them. So like, so when you go to compete, you're dealing with one tenth of one percent of the general population. You know what I mean? So you're an elite group just going to compete mm -hmm. anywhere. So whatever right. your results are, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy, I guess is my point. And, and I, and I always caution my guys, don't get discouraged if you don't get great results because it's just not that easy, you know? Right. And, uh, and look at your competition as a means to help you develop your skills. You know, that's our yeah. mantra at our Academy is it's all about skill development. So keep your eye on developing your skills and of course, if you can go compete, if you can win, it's awesome. It's exciting. It's fun. You get a little bit of glory. It, it's just wonderful. But um, you can't expect to win all the time, you know? Right. You know, the average that, record of any competitor is 500. You know, that's literally the average. So if you're six and five, you're doing better than most. You know what I mean? So don't sweat it, you know? I think we get... Sometimes, you know, we see athletes and, and, and sports teams that are so successful and, you know, maybe they're undefeated or they have way more wins than losses. And we start to think that's the measure of success. And it's just not realistic for the rest of us. You know, there's always going to be right. outliers. We, we can't all be outliers. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, I've, I've done a couple of tournaments and I've, you know, I've, I've taken my losses. And, you know, just like you said, it's, it, you know, you got to look, you got to, you have to look beyond the numbers, you know, don't go yeah. in thinking, oh, I got a 0 and 2 or 0 and 3 record, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, you're still among the elites, like you said, that mm. got up and trained and bust your hump and went out right. there and competed. If your match lasted mm. one second or whatever, you still got, you still went out there and did it. That's right. And you know what, just showing up, and making weight and getting on the mat, I mean, a lot of people can't even do that. So, like, mm -hmm. there's something to be said. You know, I'm not a guy who believes in participation ribbons and so forth, but just making it there, making weight. Like, most people, you know, when they go to a tournament, I find 90% of the value is going to be in your preparation. 
So maybe you prepare for six or eight weeks or whatever it is. So now you bring a slightly sharper intensity to your training. So you're going to develop a little bit better. Maybe you eat a little bit better than you're used to eating. You know, you don't have to be perfect with it. But what you're going to find is you're going to get most of the value of the competition in that training camp. And then when you go there, you know, you're going to get some stuff out of that, too. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we try to de-emphasize uh, the short-term results. And I, I think it's the best way to look at it. And we always learn something when we go to compete, you know. So my son and I are the main coaches. So sometimes we just see, oh, wow, our, we had we saw three of our white belts were struggling to break the closed guard. So then that tells us as an academy, as a team, we're not placing enough emphasis on that area. So we're going to change our curriculum a little bit, change the way we train so they won't struggle so much in that area. So it's informing mm -hmm. us. You know, I always tell the guys from our academy who go to compete, I always say I have respect for them and I have gratitude because they're going out to compete makes our whole academy better. Even the people who never compete because we're getting crucial information that helps us direct our training and direct our curriculum so that we, we really stay on point. And, um, you know, th there's that cliche that you, you either win or you learn, you know, which is a yeah. lot of truth to that. That's great. But we also find sometimes when we win, we do something that we, we sort of reveal a weakness that we have. We're like, oh, wow. Like, I think the last tournament I was in, I had a competitor in a chest wrap position and my son had taught this method to go behind from the chest wrap where you post on the armpit and you do an arm drag and you go behind. And I was in those classes, but I was coaching more and I wasn't drilling so much. So then when I was in that position, even though I won my match, I didn't perform that technique. And my son told me after the match, he goes, he forgot to post and drag. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that. Wow. <laughs> then. uh then the next week in training, I got to that position and I did it in training. So now it's going to be part of my game. It's installed into my game. But it yeah. probably wouldn't have if I didn't go out there and compete. You know what I mean? Where you, the spotlight's on your game a little bit more. You know, I think if you're only training in the academy, sometimes like some of the weaknesses in your game and your system can get hidden a little bit. But when you go under the spotlight of competing, you know, whatever you need to fix is going to show itself. So that's part yeah. of the beauty of it. Yeah. And I, you know, the, the, I, I did like three, three, uh, tournament, uh, three competitions and yeah, like I, I was like, okay, I wanted to just like the first time I was like, you know, I just did it just to, just to kind of just get the experience. Right. And then the second time I did it, I did both gi and no gi. And I was nice. like, okay, I, you know, I went out there. I did, you know, I did my best. I saw, like you said, a lot of stuff that I was, I was, you know, proficient in. A lot of stuff that I, you know, the mistakes I made, and that just made me want to just go back to the gym and, you right. know, work out, get, you know, fix what I, you know, fix what happened. Because, mm. because mm. I was talking to my my training partner with, the, and I did, um, I did grappling industries the last time. I did both gi and no gi, and he's like, you know, how you feeling? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go back. I'm ready to go to the gym. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to watch what happened, you know, and and work on fixing that. Like that's it, man. I, I tell you, Lamar, I love it when guys compete, win or lose, and they come back to the academy the next day. I just love that. Yeah, man. I, ho, ho. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> that's my that's my youngest. <laughs> that's wonderful. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, man, that's, you know, that's how I look at jujitsu. Like when I heard that philosophy, either you win or you learn, um, you know, I took it to heart because it's like, yeah, I, I see a lot of improvements when I do lose. Cause it's like, okay, if I'm getting caught with the same stuff, this is what I need to, you know, this is what I need to work on. Mm -hmm. If I'm smoking everybody I meet, then it's kind of like, all right. Yeah, we got it. You, you you can you can handle yourself. But I love when I get a chance to really, you know. Really get in a situation where it's like, OK, I need to find my way out. I need to work on this. And this is what we're going to drill to just to get, you know, to get better, you know. Mm -hmm. so. 
That's how, I mean, that's how I feel like you got to look at it. You know, if you want to, if, especially if you want to survive in this, you know, in this sport, you know, we have, everyone talks about like, you know, having an ego, which everyone has one big or small, everyone is going to show eventually, but you know, you just got to suck that up and keep going. Yeah. You know, I often tell my students when they go to compete, I tell them, this really isn't a test of you as a person. This is a test of your jujitsu training system and we're going to see how good your training has been and mm -hmm. we're going to see you know is there some flaw in the way we're training you and then um and then you know if something happens where like i said maybe they have trouble breaking the close guard or maybe they're getting swept when they stand up or something and then we say no problem now we can address that so that's not your fault you know that's mm -hmm. the system's fault the training system and it's all right. about perfecting that system of development and if you keep perfecting that system and you keep developing, man, wins are going to come your way. Like if you, that's the one thing about jujitsu is I, I don't believe there's a, much luck involved. You know, there's not a lot of lucky punches. So if you keep developing your skills, you're going to get your share of wins for sure. You know, yeah. that, that will come with the skill development. So, and then I find if somebody beats me in a match, um, that probably means they're better at jiu-jitsu than me and they deserve to win. So uh, mm -hmm. hats off to them. And then I just got to continue on my journey of skill development and improve my skills. And I'm actually not in a race with that other competitor. You know, they're doing their right. thing and I'm doing my thing and maybe I'll never catch up to them. And I'm okay with that. But mm -hmm. what's important to me is I keep making some progress, keep developing my skills, keep going in the right direction. Yeah. And that's even like, you know, when I, when I, you know, when I get a chance to cross train, you know, it's like, mm. I, I, you know, I push, you know, I test myself with, you know, with, you know, with what I know against what they know. And if I, if I come out on top, okay, cool. But I'm, there's always going to be a lesson to be learned. Like our school oh, is yeah. more, you know, our school is more traditional, more, you know, more of the, the martial arts self-defense aspect, the schools I visit are high level competition schools. So mm. the pace is, is two different things. Like what right. we do in the whole class, they do in about 30 minutes. Mm. So it's like, mm. you know, boom, fast pace from bell to bell. And, you know, it's just like, oh, this is, oh, this is real. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this is a whole different breed, a whole different pace. But yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. But, but if you approach that experience with the right mindset, you can get so much out of it. You know what I mean? Sometimes in that situation, I'll kind of lay back a little bit and let the other guy work and let him do his game, let him do his offense and just sort of observe it, see what he's doing and how he's making it work and, and not judge myself in it. And then you can learn so much uh, when you, when you approach it that way, you know, not from a place where, Oh, I have to beat this guy right now. It's like, no, let's, let's see what he's doing. Let's see what his game is. You know what I mean? Almost like, reconnaissance and um when i approach it that way there's there's not a lot of pressure and then there's a great opportunity to learn some skills there yeah definitely totally agree with that because you know the guys i roll with um you know just by i can you know by the, their movement i was like, okay this guy must be like white belt blue belt ish so i'm just gonna you know just let him work and see what happens and you know mm. see how he he moves and operate and I was enjoying it. I was enjoying getting my butt kicked. I'm like, okay, this guy, you know, knows a little something. You know, he he has his areas that he needs to be that, that needs to be fixed, but it was still a good right. Role. So nice. Yeah. It was uh, you know, uh it's a voyage uh is it voyage jujitsu? I think it's or is it voyage martial arts? I keep I think it's voyage martial arts, but those guys are awesome over there. Um some some beast, some beast among right. men at that school. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 been pretty awesome, man. This just this thing we call jujitsu has really been nothing short of amazing. From training, mm. the people that I've met, um, from the conversations I've had off off the podcast, man, this is just this community has just been amazing. Yeah, I love it. For me, it's um, it just it's a medium. Jujitsu is you know it's a domain where I can work on so many different parts of myself, you know, my physical self, my psychological self, that um, it's just a great opportunity for me. And, and I love it. And, 
you you talked about ego earlier i mean that's a battle that that never ends so every day i go in and i gotta try to get myself in my my right mindset and and approach things in the right way and put in good honest effort and try not to get frustrated if i don't get the results i expect and and more and more i'm trying to have less expectations and, and just try to do jujitsu you, you know what i mean and mm -hmm. uh, I try to develop my skills and try to help my students. So in, in some ways it's easier as a coach because, you know, if you can really think about, you know, I've always done this since I started my academy as I always ask myself, what's the best for my students? You know, what's in their best yeah. interest? How can I help them? And when you're coming from that place, it, it's very powerful. It just puts you in the right mindset and then it helps you make the right decisions for your academy and for your students. And then it, it helps your game as well too. It helps you make you, the best that you can be on the mat as well. Yeah. And I, I would have never guessed, um, you know, being a teacher would help me develop my game so much. Mm. Um, mm. Cause when I started teaching, I started with kids class, you know, I got offered to teach kids class mm. and I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And, you know, being able to, you know, cause I, I, I've helped teach, you know, like I'll go in, my instructor was like, Hey, we're, we're, you know, repping X, Y, Z. And it's like, okay, then, you know, we go from there, but actually, you know, holding a class and having to come up with the curriculum for the kids class, it made me really realize like, dude, this, you have to be able to teach this to, to small minds. So how would you, how mm. would you do that? So it had to, you know, I had to break stuff down even into like, you know, micro bites for the kids mm. But at the same time, it was showing me a lot of stuff about, you know, different simple techniques like triangles and arm bars and stuff that I would never really paid attention to if I have not mm. broke it down so small, you know? Right, right. So everybody has been on the show. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say that when I started in the academy in 2005, I was very effective at jujitsu, so I, I could hang with a lot of people and I could pass their guard and, and so forth. And But I really didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't articulate it. You know, my students would say to me, wow, you're so good at guard passing. How do you do it? And I would say, well, first of all, I kind of break their guard and then I kind of get around their legs and then, and then I pin them in side control. Like that's the the only way i could articulate it you know what i mean so mm -hmm. i was doing a lot of complicated things but i didn't really deliberately know what i was doing you know what i mean it was like a lot of instinct and that's the great thing about teaching is you have to go beyond instinct you have to lay things down and, and go step by step and, and here's the sequence and here's what you want to do and here's why you want to do it so just by having being forced to articulate it to your students you come to know it so much better than you would otherwise. Mm -hmm. You know it yeah. in the front of your brain, not just your instincts. It's, it's not just in your bones. Now, now you can spell it out to somebody. And that's a whole other level. And I and I find it's a much better level for a couple of reasons. But one reason is if you're in a competitive situation and you start to feel really winded, you know, really exhausted, if you don't deliberately understand what you're doing, I think your game can deteriorate much faster. You know, if you're only yeah. operating the instinct, your instinct when you start getting exhausted is to stop. Just don't do anything. You know, your your body's telling you you got to lie down and you got to recover now. So, right. and if you start listening to that message in a competitive situation, then you're it's over. You, you're going to lose. But if you deliberately understand what you need to do and why you need to do it, then you can be fairly physically spent but you can just do the next thing and you can push yourself forward. And in general, in jujitsu, when you're doing the next thing that you need to do, you're gaining a little bit of leverage and you're taking leverage away from your opponent. So if you're exhausted, they're probably a little tired too. So now when you start getting ahead of them, now you can recover a little bit and you know, you're on your way to, to winning or controlling the other person, but having yeah. that deliberate sense of what you need to do, is really important in those situations. Definitely, definitely having a calm, clear mind, um, right. you know, and a solid game plan. 
You can't, right. you know, like, you know, in training, yeah, but you just can't go rogue on everything. <laughs> just go out there like I'm just winging to see what happens. But Right, right, right. I've noticed yeah. that by watching competition, especially in the last five years, is that strategy is very important. So in general, the athletes that have the proper strategy, they have such an advantage. If you're trying to win and you have the wrong strategy, man, you, you just make things that much harder for yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. You see it like, guys, oh, this guy wants to elevate me and get into my legs. You know, you, you mentioned Nicky Rod. So he's like, he's going to get on his knees. He's going to try to body lock past them, you know? Mm -hmm. So those are techniques and those are skills, but it's actually a strategy, you know? And then it ends up being a very effective strategy. It puts him in a position where he can win. You know, and, mm -hmm. and that's what strategy does. And I and I think strategy is important in jujitsu because, you know, there's so many techniques that you can spend time on developing in jujitsu that, you know, you have to narrow them down a little bit. Um, because if you don't narrow them down, then you're never really going to master anything. So if you find a strategy that you think is the best strategy for you, that in and of itself is going to narrow down your techniques, you know. Like yeah. when you talk about self-defense, when you look at the, the early Gracie stuff, I remember they used to have these uh, videos, Gracie in action. I used to get these mm. VHS tapes and it was just basically the Gracies just f literally fighting guys in the dojo, whether guys would come into their academy and say, yeah, we want to fight you. Or they would go someplace and fight some other guys like a karate guy or a kung fu guy or just some street guy. And the strategy was relatively simple. You know, the strategy was keep a healthy distance, you know, come in with a stomp kick and quickly close the distance and get really close to clinch, clinch yep. to take down, to mount. And then they start hitting the guy. The guy turns over on his belly. Maybe they whack him with a forearm in the back of the head a few times, and then they choke him out. And like, that's, out. The yep. that's the strategy. And you know what? That's an amazing strategy. That's a super <laughs> effective strategy. It, it literally yeah. still, it still works in the UFC today, that strategy. And mm -hmm. I think that's the true genius of the Gracies. You know, they took a thing like fighting. You know, when I was a kid, you would watch movies and, and fights in the movies. Like, there was no beginning, middle, or end. Like, people just punching and kicking and hitting each other with chairs. And, like, you, you never know what's going to happen. But they took something as chaotic as street fighting and they and they made it a beginning, they made a middle, and they made an end. You know, they brought mm -hmm. order to the chaos. And that to me is genius. It's just amazing. And um yeah. and, and and that's it. They 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 developed what they felt was like this is the best strategy. And you know, it, it still might be the best strategy. I mean, basically, Habib was doing that. He was like, you know, he's on the outside moving around, showing some strikes, and then he gets a hold of you, takes you down, and yep, you can't get that up body again. lock, and he climbs your body and choke you in and finish you. Yeah, and finish you. And um, that still works. And and mm -hmm. I think it's probably, for longevity even, it's probably the best way to, to be a fighter as well, you know? Yeah, so. I mean, because if you can, I mean, like you say, like with you know with uh, Khabib and you know with the Gracies, they have they you know, they have their being a guard. They'll you know close that distance. They'll do that that front lead teeth kick, and once yeah. they get, realize they can touch you with that toe, they're shooting in. Yeah, getting you wrapped up, take it to the ground, and choke you. Like, yeah, you know they Definitely. still do that. I mean, <laughs> like you said, it's yeah. it's a it's a system that still works to this day. It does. And it's it's really is amazing if you stop and think about it to take like and and no I don't think in any other sport there's something as systematic any other combat sport is as systematic as that of like just a total beginning middle end you know it's really mm. really impressive really impressive yeah and you know then that's just then that speaks volumes of that because we're talking about high level guys you know black right. belts and you know that you know back black belts and ledges of this sport and they're you know, replicating the simple stuff, you mm. know, stuff that you learn when you first walk into the door, mm. you know, like mm. we talk about this all the time, where it's like you, you have, you know, millions and millions and, you know, uh, you know, different techniques and mm. whatnot, but you look at high level competitors, arm bars, you know, triangles, this, the simple stuff that you learn, you know, you know, the day one stuff. Yeah. I mean, John Jones just did it. He came back and he fought this amazing athlete. This guy, 
Gagne. Gagne. He's uh, like yeah, uh, such, an amazing, yeah, such yeah. an amazing striker. Great athlete. Great footwork. I mean, that guy to me is so impressive. And he's like 260 pounds. He's amazing. And what did John Jones do? Take him down, hold him down, and then choke him out. I mean, choked him out. Pretty, pretty effective, man. Like, yeah, I don't think he same, got hit much at same all. Same concept. Yeah. Yep, he yeah. played the distance. He used his, uh, his, you know, his uh, length of his legs to, to yeah. keep him out. As soon as he got him, got him into the cage, got him down, choked him out. Yep. And um, yeah. And and John Jones is a very good competitor. Like he is a genius of fighting. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he's not going going in there in a situation like that to try to show off to anybody. He's like, I want to finish this guy the, the most efficient way possible. I want to get yeah. in here, finish this guy and get out of here unscathed. You know what I mean? And that's right. exactly what he did. And, and and why not do that? It just makes sense. Yeah. You know? And I think if people really want to see like John Jones work, don't get me wrong. He done some amazing things in the UFC um and whatnot but watch some of his submission grappling matches oh yeah you give anybody you really see. yeah oh yeah but he just he just did a you know he just rolled with uh gordon ryan and it was just like dude that was awesome yeah that was a lot awesome of to see that yeah i was like man i would have i would kill to be in that room when that happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah very cool very 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 so John, we have a um a staple here at Talk Your Jits podcast, man. We ask everybody this question when we come that comes on the show. Um, you've been around for a while, so I know you got some names. So past or present, the top three people you would love to get a chance to roll with. Oh wow, that's a wonderful question. Um, I would love to roll with John Danaher just because you know he's such a genius of jujitsu. I know he probably doesn't roll that much. I, I don't know. I'm thinking. Because I know he has different injuries, but I'm an old geezer too. I'm older than him, so if he would roll with me, if he would give me that honor, that to me that would be wow. That would that would just make it for me, and uh, it would be interesting because you know I watch him demonstrate his techniques, and he's demonstrating them with guys who are high level competitors, and he brings so much pressure that the uke who he's working with is like. Like just groaning, yeah. into the- <laughs> and I'm like, wow! Like he he understands the leverage so much that he can just he can apply his body in a way to generate so much force that I would be fascinated to see what that felt like to be on the other side of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that would that would be amazing, of course. So that's probably my number one. And then you know I've always been a longtime fan of. Marcelo Garcia, just because I just love his spirit. You know, he he just loves the art so much. And he he seems like he has such a generosity of spirit. You know what I mean? Like such a good natured person, so positive and such an mm-hmm. amazing jiu-jitsu player and so innovative. It seems like he's invented so much of the game himself that that would be amazing to train with him. And then, yeah, of course, Hicks and Gracie, who wouldn't want to roll with him? You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, so, so those are, that's probably my three that, and there's plenty more, of course, but yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Of course. But, if, you know, going with the young guns today, I would feel like it, they would just toy with me. So maybe it, it wouldn't be that interesting, you know, but those three I mentioned would toy with me as well, of course, but I don't know. It would be fun. Yeah. That would be amazing for sure. Definitely, man. Definitely. Well, John, man, if you got some questions for me, man, by all means, fire away. If not, I would love for you to shout out your school. If you uh, if you got anything that's coming up in the near future, man, you know, the floor is all yours. Well, thank you, man. I w- You know what I would love, Lamar? If people checked out my YouTube channel. So my name is John Connors, and my YouTube handle is John Connors MMA. And if they go there, I think I have over 600 videos up there. So I have a lot of shorts that have technique involved and then i have uh i have a podcast of my own so the the name of my podcast is power of the tribe and you can find that on all the podcast places and you can find it on youtube and Mm -hmm. uh then on my youtube channel i'm doing some i call them old man super matches so i have one that's old man black belt versus giant marine wrestler where i did a match with one of my students who wrestled in college and the marines 
250 pounds and we had a legitimate five minute match and it was awesome. And you know, he's a specimen. He can dead, he's deadlifted over 600 pounds and squatted over 600 in competition. So he's the real deal. And then I had a match with um, a heavyweight, a giant six foot five MMA pro former MMA fighter. And then uh, I had a match with a, just the new one is against an 18 year old purple belt. So I know a lot of the old guys are like, how do you handle these young guys? So I had a match with the 18 year old purple belt and that, we, we, that one was a submission challenge. So if the, the challenge was if he could submit me, he'd get 200 bucks. So I have, a, so I think I have a lot of videos that people would find entertaining and, and mm -hmm. educational. And, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be um, an ambassador of the art, you know, I'm trying to be as positive as I can, you know, I'm on Twitter as well. Uh, old man BJJ black belt on Twitter. And I'm, and I'm trying to, I try to focus only on jujitsu and only positive things. You know what I mean? I try not to fall in the social media trap of, of weighing in on different things. You know what I mean? I try to mm -hmm. stick just to jujitsu and I try to right. stay positive. I'm trying to help everybody and help the community. And, you know, I view myself as a coach of jujitsu for everybody, whoever, whoever wants it, you know, I'm trying to help them. And, and that's how we be. When we go compete, we compete very hard, but we try mm -hmm. to be at, have a lot of dignity and respect for opponents and an appreciation for them, you know. So we we are always trying to help everybody and you know encourage everybody. And uh yeah, that's about it, Lamar. And and thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Not a problem, not a problem. And it's funny when I when you when you popped up and I saw the old man BJJ and I said, okay, I've seen that. I've seen that name somewhere. And then you mentioned the video. And I watched that video of you versus the Marine. And I'm looking, I'm like, you know, you're, you're, you're you know, you're talking and you know, they're, they're talking about your age and stuff. And I'm like, man, this old man is dangerous. Like, <laughs> like I was like, I was, man, I was, you gained a fan, man. I was admiring your work. And, oh, you know, I watched a you. couple of your videos, man. I, you know, yeah. Thank definitely. you so much. Yeah. So thank he, you so much. he's, I, I would definitely recommend it, man. Like you seen a John Connors old man BJJ black belt on uh, YouTube. I watched a couple. I'm looking at the videos I watched now, and that one was the first one that popped up. Uh, Giant Marine wrestler, and I was like, dude, that's awesome to be that that oh, you know, being that age and moving like you're 15 years old, man. I love it. Thank you so much, man. Not a problem. Uh, yeah, that's the end of today's episode. I would love to thank John one more time for coming on the show and blessing us with his jujitsu knowledge. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube page to stay updated on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day. There you go. All right.